Carmine. Here at the here, what we do is we inspire, we influence, and motivate you for change. Tonight, we have a special guest with us who's going to be speaking about business in today's economy. But before we get to that, let me introduce to you my two favorite co-hosts and pain the butts themselves, the one and only Fred Martinez. Hey, greetings, Earthlings. How are you doing? Fred. How are you today? <laughs> I am doing well on the, the red planet. I see that. I see that. Well, welcome aboard. Welcome. Welcome here. And we also have the wonderful Christopher Shiver. How are you, Chris? Hey, how's it going, everybody? And uh, I'm really excited today about today's show because we're going to talk more about business. So that's, uh, I love business. And, and that's right, Chris. It's on everybody's mind. When are we going to open the doors again? When is America going to get back to normal? I know a lot of governors right now are, are slowly opening some um, areas like beaches. Uh, certain businesses might be starting opening in beginning of May. So, you know, and that's causing a lot of turmoil for people. Is this going to reopen the virus again, or are we really through it all? Are we all getting immune to it? Who knows? But either way, it's affecting business. It's going to affect us today and affect us going into tomorrow and probably years to come at this point. But we want to get down to it. We got the one and only Steve Strobles with us. He's a business operations coach. And what he does, he makes companies more profitable by transforming their day-to-day -day details of their core internal operations and make them run smooth like there's nothing has happened to them before. So Steve is here with us this evening. Steve, welcome to the show. Tell us a little bit more about yourself so people can get to know who you are and really what you do. Sure thing. Thanks, Len. So my name is Steve. I've been a business coach uh, for a lot of years, and I've always seen the inefficiency in every business that I've been part of. Sure. And so I've just, I just am naturally wired that way. Um, in my personal life, been married 35 years, have some kids, some grandkids. I kickbox is my sport. Wow. I, oh. I live at the edge of the desert. Just west of me is, is desert. So uh, it's quiet out here. I'm actually sitting on my patio right now. It's dark outside. The, the stars are shining. Um, and I, you know, I'm plugged into businesses. Um, and there's a couple of you know teenagers in my life that I'm a mentor to to help them through some struggling times that they're having right now. Um, and yeah, my my passion is to help people and businesses and make things better for the world. Steve, that's that's absolutely amazing because I know right now the world needs better systems, better things put in place so that we can start getting business up and going once again. I know you're coaching a number of businesses now. Could you, you know, share a little bit about some of your strategies, some of the things that you, you know, you're pointing them to to make their businesses more workable for themselves? Sure, sure thing. It it starts with questioning why you're doing what you're doing. Everyone, every business has a process and a procedure or a system in place. And the question really becomes, why are you doing that particular thing? Sure. And what is, the, what is the goal of the business, of course? So, you know, I'll, I'll go back to like my first job. I'm working for a company. I'm an accounts payable clerk. And we had to touch an invoice like six times for, as part of the processing of that invoice. 
Mm-hmm. And, and I questioned, why are we touching it so many times? And there was a real valid reason for that. However, I was able to put a system in place using a personal computer where we only had to touch that piece of paper once. And touching a piece of paper once instead of six times saved 10 man hours in the first 10 days of the month. And so my process is to look at what you're doing and ask, why are you doing it that way? And what is the actual goal for it? Sometimes people and businesses are doing things because they were trained to do it that way Mm -hmm. or their predecessor told them do it this way. But that might not actually be the quickest, most efficient uh, way to get something done. And it might not give their customer the best service that their customer wants out of that particular organization. Sure. And and you make a really valid point. It's like, why are you you handling six to seven times that one piece of that one document? It should be handled one time and either follow it correctly or thrown out. You know, there shouldn't be that many hands touching because eventually you're going to lose it or it's not going to be in the right place to begin with. And that's not really helping your business grow. You're sticking up, like you said, more man hours. You don't have a a system in place that's going to help you leverage your business effectively. And I definitely feel like with everything that's happening right now, um, I do know this is a lot of people are, are forced to go home and do work virtual. And I think a lot of businesses are becoming aware of a lot of the habits that they've had that are just, um, really of just wasting hours. Right. And, and this becomes a really good opportunity for a lot of businesses to take that little step back because they might not be as busy as they were before and really ask those questions. Why are we doing it this way? And for some businesses, it, it becomes, this becomes the pivot point. It's, mm. well, you know, I, I personally have been part of disaster recovery planning and business continuity planning for some larger organizations. And when we're talking pandemic, we never had the conversation of social distancing. We always had the conversations of 40% of the workforce or half of your workforce can't come to work. How are you going to recover? This social distancing and working from home, I don't think anybody saw coming. But this becomes a real opportunity for, I think, every business or every person wanting to become their own business or any entrepreneur to really look at what's going on within their world and see how things are better. And questions I have is the real estate market, which has always been, you know, you can always make money in real estate if you hang on to it long enough. Some large organizations might figure out they don't need a building anymore. Right. That, that's, one thing that yeah. that, that's one thing that I've heard with a lot of companies. <clears throat> and especially I work in the high tech field. I'm a software engineer. And I know that we always have processes in place and we're always trying to refine those processes. And I see what I'm seeing right now is that our workforce is working remotely. And I have noticed that we're putting in more hours than what we're really billing. However, our efficiency has gone up because now we can work out our own terms. I think a lot of it is us being engineers. We tend to want to be in this little bubble Give me the work and we can get it done. However, I've been seeing is like we're having meeting after meeting after meeting and what does it get resolved? Sometimes it's just kicking the can down the street. And this is where good leadership is always 
pivoting, a good pivoting point of someone making that decision. This is what we're going to do. But I also noticed that some companies or even, or even governments, or if you want to say that too, they are not standing up to that leadership, taking that extreme ownership of that, of the leadership roles and saying, this is what we're going to do. But however, they're taking the input from everybody else before they make that finalized decision, because you need the input from your employees. You need the input from your customers. If you don't have that, what's going to end up happening is everyone's going to be butting heads. Right. And, and with the work at home force for the, for the more technical person, the one that can be by themselves, I see productivity going up in some of the call centers that I know about. There's uh, productivity staying the same because the employee can be monitored, mm -hmm. but training becomes a real issue now yeah. because you have oh. people individually. And for some of the environments, you have security concerns. So like in the financial services world or banks and stuff like that, if you send someone home, that person has access to customers' social security numbers. Oh. And so, no. you know, there's, there's a whole security piece with the work at home force currently right now. So it'll be, it's an interesting time we're in. Are you kidding me? I, I, that totally makes sense. I, I didn't even think about that. Oh my yeah. God, yeah. I'm not okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, I've, I worked for, you, you obviously know my background in places where I worked. So I've worked in places where you are doing some government work and they, they put processes and procedures in place so that you can't have access to certain things. So non-classified stuff, you can go ahead and do classified work. You're not going to be able to do that. You're going to have to do that in a classified environment. And mm. so, so the same thing when you have certain protocols with uh, numbers or HIPAA stuff, you're not going to be able to access that type of stuff because they have because that company is going to be liable. Okay. And if okay. there's any kind of breaches and things like that, because usually you're going to be remoting in to a certain to a certain machine and that type of stuff. And just like on HIP, like HIPAA, it does know that you have gone in to that particular. Right. Uh, right. There's remote viewing. Remote and viewing. There's a, well, there's a <laughs> log. There's a log of what you have done and that type of stuff. And so, are you gonna are you gonna go ahead and lose your job? over something that is something that's so stupid. Uh, most, most people are not gonna do that if they're smart. Right, mm -hmm. yeah, but yeah, there, but there will be the one or two that will, yeah. well, you know. Of course, there's always one or two. Yeah. <laughs> but Steve, you, you make a good point, because I was having this conversation with a friend of mine that the whole real estate market could actually change a bit. A lot of these big commercial buildings could lay empty where employers are seeing, hey, it's cheaper, for people to work at home, just as long as I put contingencies in place that they're taking ownership and accountability of getting their work done. But if it saves them on commute time, it saves them on, you know, it's the lunch time, uh, smoke breaks, all that, because all that's money that's added up over time that a business loses. So they can really make this home office concept more sustainable. This could be an ongoing thing for for a lot of people at this point, right. which might work out great. I, I agree. I think I think it'll, it can become very much part of the normal that you know you just work from home, mm -hmm. and then and then the and then what the question I ask is, what opportunity does that present for the next entrepreneur? So you have this home office, you you have green screens, you have backdrops, mm -hmm. you need something quiet, you need a different microphone. Uh, 
you know, so I'm wondering, you know, what sharp entrepreneur is going to figure out the secret sauce? Because right now, obviously, we're all social isolating, and it's going to go till the end of the month. And here in Arizona, at least, it's supposed to peak. The peak number of deaths per day is supposed to be at the end of April. But that's just the peak. That doesn't mean when it will end. Sure. And so this will kind of continue on. So we have this normal now, and I think everybody's come over that initial shock. And when there's fear, people are afraid and they do some things that uh, hopefully do something with, to protect themselves. And now that they figured out, okay, I will survive. Well, now the question is, what does next month look like? What does May 15th look like? What does June 15th look like? And I don't, I don't have an answer for that, but I'm asking everyone I know what they think. And I'm asked a variety of people what the current impact has had. Um, and it goes across the board. Um, I have some companies that they're concerned they're going to lose a lot of employees. So uh, they're preparing for what that looks like for their business and how they continue. Mm -hmm. uh, another business I know of, they decided to cut every, stop every extra spending mm -hmm. and just focus on giving that money to the employees if needed to keep sure. their employees. Right. Nice. So... It's an interesting time that we're in. Yeah, and this is going to be an opportunity for both ends, for businesses and for people uh, who are looking for new job opportunities. Everything, yeah. Because both I, of them, you know, because eventually we're going to get to a point where things are going to start going back up again. There's going to be lots of opportunities for everybody. Unless I think we, this is going to disrupt the class system as well, like middle class, upper yes. class, because all of a sudden now everybody can make content. And you don't need a studio. You don't need exorbitant amount of money to, to make really good content. So it's going to take that one really creative person out there that's going to be just, like you said, the magic sauce. And, and they're going to blow things up. I think a lot of, a lot of we're going to see a lot of companies, a lot of influencers come up and come down. Like it's going to be very dramatic. It's going to be very interesting to see. Well, I, the way I kind of look at it as, uh, the way I kind of look at it about influencers what do they influence? They're not really making a difference. When you look at the value, what they bring, who are the people that right now, who are the ones that are bringing out the value? Uh, exactly. You got, exactly. Our, you got our, our medical staff, you got our, our first responders, you got our people who work in the grocery stores, sanitation people. You're looking at people that are bringing in the goods and services, our truck drivers. So when you look at some of those jobs, have been very unappreciated. People don't appreciate it. Now they are having an appreciation. And I think we should continue having that appreciation for the work that they're doing. Because when you look at actors, actresses, uh, athletes, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, what yeah. are they doing? What are they contributing? Nothing. Exactly. I understand and that. That's, that's what's going to happen. A I, lot of those actresses are just going to go, because people are going to change. Their mindsets are going to shift. They're going to be like, what is this person offering me? Is this real value? Am I really getting something out of watching this person? Right. I, I would say <laughs> that if you had some celebrities that were coming out and saying, these are the things that they could be working on and working on the mindset, working on things where putting out content uh, to help to help other individuals because they got mm -hmm. a following of people. There's that. But I have a question for Steve in terms of when you're looking at the economy and you're looking at the the bars and entertainment i'm looking at those 
uh, positions that were waitresses and bartenders or working in the restaurant or even yeah. Disneyland and things like that, those types of jobs, what do you think is going to happen with those, those individuals? Like with the new, cause we're not going to jump in right away and go into that. It could be a year from now. Right. Yes. No, that's a very good point. Uh, because if, if they, if the government opened up the city today, I, with what I know, would still not go into a restaurant that had tables six feet away. Um, of a friend of mine, he's a head nurse at an ICU, and he said uh, for infectious diseases, if you imagine that every surface you touch has a color of paint on it, so your steering wheel, the doorknob, the table, your goal is to not mix the colors of paint and not to get any paint on your hands or on your face. <laughs> so, and if you think about it, if everything, the keyboard, your phone, um, so to your point, it's going to take a while for the restaurants really to recover because they're, they're, some of the restaurants have been pretty sharp and they're selling some groceries because they have some access to groceries that's, you know, good for them. And, you know, here in, here in Arizona, if you're a restaurant, you can sell bottled, a single bottle of beer, which wasn't allowed before. But that's not the, but that is not the, enough really, I don't think, to keep a lot of restaurants afloat. Uh, so I don't exactly know what that, those industries really are gonna look like in the near future. And the people that worked in those industries, you know, I personally have a huge respect for uh, the wait staff in a restaurant because it's a tough job. A lot of people don't appreciate it. And I've had the fortune of being in some very, very nice restaurants where the, you know, the, the, the waiter was tipped out, you know, a hundred plus dollars for my table, let alone, you know, the six other tables, you know, so I've seen, I've seen it. I, I've seen where that can be a huge career path for somebody. I've seen where the tips is the difference between buying a video game for their kids or shoes for their kids. And now, you know, on, on paper, they only make, you know, 250 an hour, but with the tips, they obviously make a lot more. And I'm not sure how unemployment works in reference for, for that industry. Because if they're looking at their pay was, their pay was 250 an hour. Uh, and places like Disneyland, again, um, I'm, I, don't, I don't know what that really looks like. A year from now, 18 months from now, everything will be okay for those that survive. Because by then we'll have a vaccine, we'll have our peaks, we'll figure it out. But it's the next six months, next eight months, where people still have the fear in their back of the mind, where if you're an at-risk person, you're still at risk because back to my image of there's still wet paint all over the place and you don't want to touch it. You don't want to touch your face. You don't bring that into your house. So I don't know what, you know, every restaurant has to make their own decision or every bar, yeah. which are totally closed down, have to make their own decision as to how long they can hang on. Mm -hmm. um, in, the, in the bar industry, if they, if they keep their liquor license, they can always sell it on the secondary market. Yeah. You know, but, you know, but other than that, that's, that's, that's a really, really tough industry right now. Right. And I can't imagine that, especially the smaller mom and pop ones, 
have enough cash reserves to keep them afloat for, you know, even, even if they don't have to pay rent, you know, even if, even if it's, even if their landlord says, okay, I understand what's going on. You don't have to pay us. I don't know how many of them have enough cash to keep them going. So that, that's a tough industry. Right. Do you think that things are going to get restructured? Because I started thinking about that, where if they had a big, huge mortgage or they had a mortgage and then they, they restructure it instead of being 30 years, now it's like a 50 year or 60 year just to go ahead and push things out. Because if you're able to push things a lot longer, maybe payments will be a little bit cheaper and maybe get things rolling right. a little bit more, that type of stuff. Uh, on, on, the, on, the, on the purchase of real estate, probably. But even on a commercial but, side, and, and including that, in, including the commercial side, um, the the concern I don't think is the building owner or the one making the building payment. I think it's the tenant. Because if you say, "Hey, okay, you don't need to pay rent for six three months," we'll say, mm-hmm. "Well, the three months is now over." Well, now what is the landlord going to really expect out of you? Yeah, right. Yeah. You know, it's like, I gave you a three month leeway. You need to start paying now. The crisis is over potentially. Um, there's gonna be a lag time. Yeah, and there's well, a lag time. And it, and it takes time for a restaurant to get back up to speed for, mm-hmm. for, for patrons to come back and start spending again. And again, even if you keep the table six feet away, you're gonna have a lot of people that well, maybe not a lot of people. You'll have a fair number of people, I think, that just won't go right. until there's a vaccine that's been proven and that's, you know, 18 months away. Mm-hmm. So that's a really tough, tough industry to be in right now. Uh, and I think it's, it depends on the owner and uh, what, what, each, what each location is going to look like. I know what Gordon Ramsay's doing. He just, he went full virtual. Like he, he closed down his studio, he closed down to everything. And he just, now it's his two daughters recording him in his house, doing right. 10 minute videos of right. cooking. And of course he's getting like millions of yeah, videos. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's, he closed them. Yeah, but Gordon Ramsay's the type of person that can sustain that. Yeah. yeah. Average small business owner right. can't keep doing that. They're, you know, doing exactly. And even the bartenders, the waitresses. So, you know, mm-hmm. for them, something innovative has to come out of all this, one way yes. or another, for the right. restaurant business to succeed. And if they start putting in systems in place that can make their business run more effectively with takeouts and pickup, they can still survive. Mm-hmm. Now, they may have to shrink their footprint down, get a smaller building, you know, not have inside eating, maybe more outside eating, depending on, you know, but that's also regional. I know Mm -hmm. we can do that out here in Arizona, but other states can't always have people eating outside. So that's, so it's interesting. Um, I know, uh, I know a business close to me, it's a small business and they're called a cookie crumb, no, not sweet cookie or crumble, something like that. And they were on DoorDash originally. And so one day uh, I, I, uh, my DoorDasher messed up the order, something like that. So I got to drive in and go see their operation and be like, Hey, I want, I want my order. And uh, so I got in and what was interesting, I, the lady was super nice, mom and pop shop. He's like, oh, here's some extra stuff, you know, uh, since you came in. And uh, I was like, you know, this is great. I love your guys' food. These cookies are amazing. You guys provide milk and cookies and ice cream. That's their whole thing, you know, and, uh, <laughs> and, 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 uh, 24-7, usually at night. That's when they're busy. And 
and now they're making more money now than they ever before because they weren't an open restaurant. They would go from they would literally talk to their friends who had restaurants and use their their use their kitchens at night, right. and just poker dot all around the valley and just and just keep changing their their, their delivery location. So now they're making they're, they're making more than they ever did before. It's so it, it's there are businesses out there who are just like bam. <laughs> Right. Oh, absolutely. That's why that's why each business owner has to make their own decision. Mm-hmm. You know, and to your to to your point of if you've there's a there's a there's a franchise called Salad and Go. It's a fast yep. food salad. Yeah. Yep. And they don't, yeah. they don't have, and they don't they don't number one brave of them to do that, but number two <laughs> they, it's either they, a walk up or a drive up. Yeah, it's a drive up, absolutely. So it's like so they're 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 in, a, they're in a position to where their clientele probably hasn't changed that much at all. Starbucks, on the other hand, their clientele has changed a lot, but then some of the other coffee places, which were drive-up only, uh, the only reason why they've changed is because the schools might not be open, and so they've just lost number of, of visitors. So like in my neck of the woods is Dutch Bros Coffee, which is two drive-through lanes and a walk-up window always a mile long but there's you know there's a high school two miles away Uh, Mm -hmm. kids are not going to school they're sleeping till 11 or 12 or 1 which teenagers do they they go online yes i'm in school today they turn in whatever assignment is due before midnight yeah you know so (laughs) (laughs) i mean you make a a valid point there um you know chris like you're saying Yes, some businesses are going to explode and become very successful, while others are just going to fall to the wayside because they weren't innovative. Mm-hmm. You know, they weren't innovating themselves to the next level, and some of them are still living in fear and panic and not knowing how to do that. And really, they need a business coach or somebody that can really help them develop and grow their system and think outside the box. Definitely, it's yeah. very emotional right now. Right. And that's right. And we need to help people stay, you know, think more logically than emotionally to help them get through this because there's going to only be three types of people who are going to make it. You know, people, there's going to be people who are just going to fail completely and give up. There's people who are going to just ride the wave out and, you know, possibly make it. And then at the end, they're not making it at all because they never changed. Yeah. And there's the other entrepreneurs and people who are more opportunists. And they're just going to ride it out, wait till that 18-month marker come, and then things are going to skyrocket. And those are the ones who are going to succeed. They're the ones that are going to be changing the economy and the way we do business because they're thinking outside the box. They're thinking smart. They're saving their money. They're putting things away. And they're working with people like Steve to build systems for their business to become successful. Right. So, and you're exactly right. It's, it's kind of like the three types of people just had this conversation Saturday. Um, you have those people who are, who are just going just gonna to give up. It's like, okay, whatever. I'm going to throw the towel in. I own some real estate. I'll ride it out as long as I can. I'll sell what I can, and then I'll just retire. And then you have those that, okay, I'm going to try to do business as it has always been done and yeah. hope that at the end of this, I have a business. And then you have those that'll say, okay, I need to change my business because the, the normal, the new normal is not going to get here for another 18 months. And I need to pivot or change or consolidate or implement 
or redesign for what the new future brings. And I think it's important for every person, every business owner to really do a hard evaluation or as a group, if it's leadership group, do a real, that real hard evaluation that says, where do we stand as a business? How are we gonna survive three months, which is the easy number? How yeah. are we gonna survive the 18 months? And, it, and a lot of times it does take an external person to come in and ask questions that are not always easy to answer, but need to be answered. Do you think that the government will step in? Because I started thinking about uh, my, uh, my grandparents were, were uh, my grandfather was in World War I and he was in uh, the, one of the Navy ships where they had a lot of the, the, the Spanish flu outbreaks. And then I kind of look at it as my dad was born during the depression. And so hearing the stories about the depression where they created programs. And that's why I started thinking that there's got to be something, the government to maybe step up something in other, in order to get people retooled because maybe certain positions were not available. And, and so like when you look at the entertainment industry, that's one good example where entertainment's not going to really be there like it, what, like it, what it used to be. And not for a few years or so, or, or, you know, because people need to have that comfort level. I started thinking, what do we need more than anything else, you know, as, as a country? And maybe that's a thing where maybe the retooling, maybe things kind of evolve and grow. And maybe the small businesses can also jump upon that. Because you've, you've seen a lot where some of the smaller businesses are pivoting into other things, trying to step up to maybe they're making personal protective equipment, trying to give back. And maybe they're getting a contract from the government. I don't know. You know, those are right. the things where. <clears throat> no, that, that's, that's a good thought. Obviously, the government is doing a lot right now with the, you know, giving everyone the incentive and providing uh, the PPP loans for the, from the SBA. So if you're a small business, you need protection for payroll, you can apply and get a loan. If you can survive long enough to get the loan. Mm. I know that right. when, the, when the first round came out, it was, uh, I saw an email from a CEO, anyway, a buddy of mine. Um, and there were 60,000, 60,000 applications into this one bank in the first five minutes for the payroll protection program. Wow. So, and so the bank kind of ran out of money. They went back to the SBA said, Hey, we have, we've run out of money. Tell us what to do. So the government is, is going down that road. As far as like the depression, there were some real big work projects, which is how we got the interstate systems that we have now. I don't know if the government is going to support that. I don't know if there's any real big projects there's a lot of, there's, the interstates need to be rebuilt. There's always some infrastructure yeah. stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the government's going to necessarily support that. So I, I really don't know what that looks like. I do see a huge shift of wealth. So mm -hmm. the, you know, the, the, you know, I see on TV people on waiting in their cars and food lines to get food for the day. Those people will, I don't want to say it will be the lower class, but those people, it'll take them a long time to recover from this. Because back to business, back to the restaurant jobs that might take a while to recover. For, for those people, I, you know, my heart goes out to them. 
but it'll it'll take them some time to recover from that. Some of those people will say, "Hey, this is gonna. I'm tired of doing this. I'm gonna become a handyman. I'm gonna become a window washer. Right. I'm gonna exactly. be. I'm gonna go into the entrepreneurial world where I have some control of myself." Mm-hmm. You know. So you, so and out of that, you'll get some new businesses and some really creative people are out there that can create real value in the world. I don't know that the government is gonna create work programs to help all those people. Mm. I think the, you know, the $1,200 that they're doing right now, and then again, in X number of months uh, is, is what the government, and is, is what they're gonna do, and unemployment. So uh, for, yeah, for the, for the people that are currently waiting in lines, I, their, their life is gonna be worse over the next three months. So this is this is why it's it's so important now that we as individuals we need, really need to start facing some internal demons because um, it's like uh, who said it hard times breed uh, um, was it hard times breed uh, uh, strong men strong people and then yeah. weak times breed weak people and I just think you know because and, and this is this is nothing new this is cyclical this is this is human history it's it's right. not new. Right. Yeah, people need to go through a huge mindset change here and a whole mind shift because, you know, like you were saying, demons, I mean, now you're home on a regular basis with people. And if you didn't have certain things resolved, you know, when you're with somebody all the time, those new, those unresolved feelings and those past dramas and and incidences are going to start rearing their heads. Because now you have more time with yourself, more time with your spouse. You're starting, you know, see and feel more, and because you know when you get busy with work, you're at work, you're home for a few hours, and then you go to sleep, and then you do that routine again. But now your whole routine is shifted. Now you're spending more time with somebody, you know, in your family, more time with your family. You know, work could be getting more distracted because now you are working from home. So there's a lot of things here where people need to start changing their minds and changing their mind the way they're thinking and personal development. Is something they should be focusing their time on, especially if you have a lot of downtime now. This is an opportunity for you really to go back to school, to start growing, look at career changes, look at new business opportunities, and see what's out there because there is a plethora of resources and information out on the internet. And there's tons of opportunity if you just figure out what you want, your big why, and move yourself forward in, in really creating the dream that you've always wanted to, even in this time period. Right. Yeah, and a lot of people they don't don't start thinking like, oh, there's no money out there as an entrepreneur. Like, no, that's not true. There's a lot of money out there. It's just fear. Okay, now it's time to get creative and create those products that are really going to add value to the world. Because believe me, there's people out there who are sitting on their money. Was it the first person? Is that the first person? The guy who sells everything and just sits on it and waits till 18 months? Right, that guy. Yeah. That's the guy. That's the guy you're looking for. Because he's not creative. He already did his creativity. He's wherever he is in his lifestyle right now. He's looking for the next hot shot. It's time to it's time to to shine brightly, people. Right. No, and it's an interesting point where people are now spending more time home, so they're with each other. So any of that emotional turmoil that's been under the surface might actually rise up to the surface. Um. So maybe a, a remote therapist becomes a really good position for somebody. <laughs> Very true. And, and they're working on that. Yeah. And you don't, you wouldn't even need a degree for that. You just need to say, Hey, I'm, I'm a grandma. I've, 
I've seen life. I can help you. You know, um, I part part of me is you know the school system is designed to raise kids that are good employees. Yeah. And so the school system is like totally turned. As I said, you you log in to say you're there. Your mm -hmm. teacher assigns you work. It's due by midnight, and that's that's at least at the high school level. I don't know about the grade yeah. school level. Um, so for the kids that were on the edge of dropping out anyway, they probably are dropouts now because there's, there's not yeah. that going to school every day. There's not that physical one-on-one -on -one accountability. So we'll have a bunch of high school dropouts. Not only that, you also got the, uh, the social connections, the social yeah. dynamics that people need to have in their life. And yeah. you see this a lot right now that if a person's not really well grounded, people are looking and they're starving for that. That's why when they went yeah. to work, they got that external stimulus from other people rather than them saying, I am enough as it is. I don't need anything external to make me happy or, or to whatever it might be that they're looking mm -hmm. for. There's a lot of relationships right now that are, are, well, I mean, it's not a bad thing. It's actually kind of a good thing because now a lot of relationships that we've been building have been built on foundations of sand. A, a lot of them they're they're built on 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 uh, social agreements that that are very superficial and uh, superficial agreements do not do not last in a crisis like this so now we're really seeing who are the people who are going to show up for us in our lives yeah uh you're right we are social beings we need we need people in our lives and you know in the teen years that's the teenagers need teenagers they you know there's lots of research on it but teenagers need teenagers. So those teenagers that are already connected and they already have their little group, that's kind of cool. So they're good, but, but if, but they can't see each other face to face because their parents are saying no. And then some of the teenagers will do stupid teenage things because that's just what teenagers do. <laughs> <laughs> that's just what they do. Um, but there is a huge social piece to business. Absolutely. That's, that that is a lot of dynamics within within an organization of more than one person. So, uh, and all these things are you know every every person has to look at individually and decide. Well, what do I want to be when I grow up? Where you know what what makes me happy? What's good for my family? What's good for my personal uh, safety? What's good to prevent me from being afraid? because fears fear fear can either motivate you to do something or it can stifle you and you just shut down and die that, that, that is very true <laughs> and this is the turning point you know people who are sitting on the fence you got to make a decision are you going to step outside your box make things happen or do nothing and then just die and we're meant to succeed in life you know we're all extraordinary beings that are meant to change the world one way or another and no matter who you are you're here on in on this world in this universe for a reason so stop stop believing that you're not good enough stop believing that you can't find opportunity in this type of crisis because when there is chaos like this is always a silver lining somewhere down at the end just for everyone in some way or another if you take action around it I have talked to countless people, and this is on the medical side. They were telling me that they're looking at it as 
because of the way the system's put, put in place on the medical side, the elective surgeries, the, the HMOs, the PPOs, uh, all the stuff with the insurances and how they're making money that right now, uh, some of the doctors and some of the specialists are not working. And because of that, that they're taking pay cuts or they're not even getting a pay, getting money at all. The thing is, is then, however, they're looking at their CEO and their CEO could be making millions of dollars. And so when you're looking at that, how does it feel for the employees? The employees are, are getting pissed off looking at it as if it would flow back down to the rest of the, the workforce and just saying, look, I ended up making this as my bonus. I am giving this to my employees to keep them afloat because I wouldn't be where I am today if it wasn't for the employees. But yet we don't see that happening. Very few, far in between, that has actually happened. There was one story that I saw. This is, I think, when there was the great uh, the housing crisis. There was this man. He was an older gentleman. What he ended up doing was he ended up taking what he would make and he gave it to his employees to make sure that they're still getting, they're still making money. So he was giving back to them. And what ended up happening is that it came back at the end when the employees really wanted to work from that guy. They put in extra effort and they brought that company where they were just barely afloat. And then when everything started going up, they, they skyrocketed because they knew and they believed in that man. And that's the thing that I kind of see when it goes back to the thing of a, there's a really good book by uh, Jocko. Uh, he's a Navy SEAL commander and it's called Extreme uh, Leadership. And he takes this thing about the ownership, taking the ownership and people's lives are at stake. And it's like a, using a military mindset. I have noticed that people and corporations do not have that military mindset. It's all about like me, 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 me. And they don't care about stepping on other people's toes. But however, when you have a military mindset, every single person in that little cog has, it's, it, it, it's important because if you're not producing, somebody's lives at stake. And I think maybe if we have the shift to that mindset that corporations start having that military mindset that we're all cohesively working together like the 300 on when you look at the Spartans, them going together and they're fighting as one, I think corporations and businesses can all be able to survive. I don't know. What's your opinion on that? <laughs> so that, there's a lot to unravel with that one. Take your time. Um, <laughs> so, 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 so the CEO that makes a lot of money and doesn't give his bonus away, those organizations typically are really large. And although his bonus is... $20 million, it nets out to very few dollars per employee, which is a rationale. <clears throat> right. Um, and, and a lot of corporations, big corporations, their, their, their whole purpose in life is to sh uh, provide shareholder value. Mm -hmm. So make the shares more valuable so that people that buy their stock can make money off of the stock. The smaller organizations that care about the employee, that's where, that's where the innovation happens. That's where the gold really happens. Because if you, to your point, the one story of the, and I've heard that of, of a couple of different stories where 
a, a fabric company burnt down and the owner paid the employees until the company, until the building was rebuilt. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that, that creates a loyalty within the organization that you can't buy. And there's, a, there's an old phrase that I know that employees don't leave the business, they leave the manager. Hell yeah. yeah. You know? <clears throat> so if, if your manager's manager's manager to the CEO, if that CEO is treating his person properly and the expectation is you treat everyone properly, those are great organizations to work for. Yeah. Um, and kind of hard, but hard to find. But once you find them, those employees will stick there forever, not because they feel like they can't do anything or they can't do any better. They'll stick around because they feel they are adding value to something that is important and they feel like they're included in something. Uh, and that's, that's an ideal organization okay. to work towards. Um, but yeah, the, the, the corporation where the CEO makes millions of dollars in bonus, the, the logic for him accepting it is he's earned it. The, the company's done what it's done per last quarter's numbers. So the shareholders got their value out of it. So he gets a bonus based on that. That's how it works. Makes sense. And that's the way it works. Yeah. Um, the, the, those companies are so huge. I mean, how do you, how do you go into that big of a company and enact um, uh, culture change? Like, how, how, yeah. <laughs> Right, right. You, 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 you can't. I mean, it's, <clears throat> I haven't seen it done. Yeah. Not yet. Not, not, not yet. At least I've it, seen even, mergers. I've seen mergers, yeah. <laughs> but those tend to be very traumatic. Right, right. <laughs> Right, I've seen I've seen mergers, and even even when I think about uh, some of the case studies on different businesses and stuff like that, mm-hmm. to to totally change the a really big organization's corporate culture, it, it it's really hard. It can't be done. Mm-hmm. It, it it has to be, you know, less than five hundred people, less than a thousand people to to make an effective change. Obviously, you know, less than hundred people is really easy because corporate culture doesn't really exist till you get about to 25 people. So, yeah. And, uh, and the meta don't, and the medical system, of course, is the medical system, which relies on the insurance companies and doctors and billing. And um, I'm glad, you know, good or bad, you know, a lot of the elective surgeries are not happening uh, to save the PPE for when it's needed. And so that's good that the medical community is kind of coming together on that. But uh, it'll be interesting to see some of those doctors make a lot of money, plus a $100,000 a year bonus if they see X number of patients in a year. And they have big houses and car payments. And so it'll be interesting to see uh, how they fare through this. However, they will most likely never be in a line waiting to get food for the day. Sure. And it's, it's probably because also, too, where you're taking care of yourself and making sure that you have that emergency fund put in place. And so some maybe uh, companies or corporations, I don't know whether or not they have instituted some kind of an emergency fund, whether or not they can sustain this, uh, what, whatever emergency it may be. And I think with all of this happening, I think this is an awakening for businesses in general to make sure that they have one, how to handle situations like this in the future, 
And then also too, making sure that they got some money reserves that they can go ahead and go for maybe a year, if even possible, uh, that they could still continue moving forward. Because I've been in companies where they had money on research and development. So they use that money in order to obtain more work. So they put every employee, small little group of people doing some research and development of some new projects or a product. And um, then they ended up taking that product and then they took it to market and they made, well, they made their money back up. And right. I'm thinking that in reality, something like that, where they can go ahead and have some kind of an emergency fund in place. Because I know people should also have an emergency fund in place because if you're out of work for a, for a couple months, and however, I've been noticing that most people are living paycheck to the paycheck, and it's all flash, no cash. It's all about like, look at me, look at me, rather than who cares about what you drive or what you're wearing. The thing is, is are you healthy? Are you eating? Those are the most important things. And then is your children being able to be fed? Maybe yeah, that it, mindset shift needs a change with, with people now. Yeah. Uh, the emergency fund, uh, so important. It, if you have, as a, just a person, you're just an employee, forget about business for a second, it's, it's good for business also. But just as an employee, if you have six months of your actual living expenses in easy to get at cash in a safe investment, we'll call it, that gives you power that very few people have. Right. Because if you're working for, we'll say you have six months of living expenses. If you are working for an employer that their morals don't align with yours, or you don't like the way the company is heading, right? you could give a two week notice and say, hey, I'm gonna leave the organization. And then you have six months to find another position if that's what you wanna do. Um, Having, you know, having that little bit of cash in the bank uh, is, I know uh, one of my neighbors, he, he bought a piece of land for $20,000. He put $1,000 into it. And then 45 days later, he sold it for $30,000. Wow. So he made 9,000 bucks in 45 days because he had cash and he understood what he was doing. Right. You know, um, I'm encouraging one of, one of my grandsons who's a drummer to buy and sell used instruments for cash flow. Mm. So it's like, if you, if you understand the instrument, you know what a good price is, buy it and then try to sell it. You know, so it's like, just, just try it because if, and then you start with a symbol, then you can do a drum, then maybe a whole kit. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, we, we interviewed somebody who actually, uh, that's how he started his business. He ended up, he knew guitar parts. He oh, would take yeah. those guitar parts and resell them on eBay. And then he basically kind of said that one out of 10 businesses fail or and whatever statistic he put out there. And he says, yeah. I'm creating 10 and eventually something's going to stick. And so he makes his money by selling sunglasses. <laughs> and you, you yeah. wouldn't think that he and when he was talking about the amount of money, he said, "Yeah, last year I spent uh, 1.5 million dollars on Facebook ads." Wow. Yeah, it's it is it's so many different ways to make money. Um, and you know, I, realistically, we live in the United States. We've kind of won the lottery of where we're going to be born. Yes. Yeah. You know, 
for 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 those people that there are some countries where I met a guy who came from one of the countries of Africa, uh, Zambia, and he oh. said one of the things he loves about the United States is that he can go to a grocery store 24 hours a day, not so much in today's world, 24 hours a day, he can go to the store and buy fresh bananas and fresh fruit, and there'll be meat, and the electricity will be turned on, and there'll be cheese and milk. And his, in his home country, that does not exist because the store is closed down, and electricity is not always on. Mm -hmm. You know, so, save money. so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, living in this country, we've kind of won the lottery on that piece by itself. And then we have access, you know, with a library system, we have access to read books if we can't buy them ourselves. Um, we have Netflix. And we have Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have Netflix in Africa. It doesn't work. You, you don't have, you know, Spotify doesn't work in a lot of countries in Africa. It, it, it doesn't, it, you can, if you travel from the States with Spotify and you end up in Africa, it'll stop working. Oh, wow. Even if the app's on your phone, it will stop working. Right, right. It, it's, it's because of the IP address location. Exactly. So, yeah. so if you use a uh, VPN, you can go ahead and, and put it to wherever state that you want to know, wherever country you want to go to, and you'll still be able to get access to it. Is that legal? Yeah, everything's legal. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not doing, you're, you're not doing anything. You're not doing anything illegal. Okay, all. okay, okay. It's, I'll do that. It, 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 yeah, it's not like you're a Chinese citizen using a VPN to do <laughs> WhatsApp to talk to people outside of China, which is illegal. Which is illegal. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Because they want control over their citizens. Yeah, don't do that in China. <laughs> don't do that in China. But yeah. So as I said, you know, we, we, we lucked out into where we live. There's always a book where you can learn something. Um, if, you know, I, I read uh, as a young, younger man, I read a, a fair amount of books. So the, you know, so my books are like Napoleon Hill, Think and Grow Rich. Oh, I love uh, that book. Great book. Uh, Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People, which Get is just mm -hmm. basic human stuff. Right. Basic. Um, how to Stop Worrying and Start Living, which is probably the one book I've recommended more than any other book to anybody. That again, one should be right now. People yeah. are reading that one. Yeah. Again, another Definitely. Dale Carnegie, How to Stop Worrying and Start Living, and uh, it's countless other books. And in today's world, we have podcasts where you can listen to people through interviews. You can learn from that. Yeah. If uh, we're, we're not... We're, Although the, we have a little bit of, of chaos going on, we're in a really good place to have the chaos. Sure. You know, we can, we can trust our government as much as you can trust a government. Hmm. You know, it's, it's uh, China, you know, obviously the Chinese government is, is, controls our people. It's just, that's just the way it is. Sure. Um, so, yeah. So Steve, we're coming to the top of the hour here. Uh, this conversation has been amazing with you this evening. Uh, we hit a lot of different topics. And I, wanted, I want people to have a way to get a hold of you if they need help with their business. How, can you tell us how people can get a hold of you, what's going on, what type of services you offer? Uh, sure thing. So um, Controlled Chaos Solutions is the name of my company. I like it. Uh, I like it. And my email address is steve at controlledchaos.solutions. So shoot me an email. Uh, the, the piece that I challenge you as a business owner is to figure out 
which one of the three categories you really are in right now. With, with a half hour, 45 minute phone call from me, I can help clarify some of that stuff with you. Mm-hmm. And that also kind of can build our relationship and maybe we go forward, maybe not. But I'm more than willing to get on the phone with everybody or anybody I can, you know, time, given, given time. And, you know, a 45 minute conversation can be very clarifying for you because you got to decide that. You got to decide, okay, out of the three categories that are possible for today's world, which one do I want my business to be in? And then once you decide that, then you can figure out if you need external help or if you can do it internally or if you sell all your assets and move to the beach. So uh, I'm easy to get a hold of. My email address is there. I check my email every day. Um, Once we connect up, I'll give you my cell phone and it's always turned on. When the gym's back open up, I, I don't answer my phone during the gym because it's a pretty intense workout and you can't have a phone with you while you're kicking somebody in the shins. So <laughs> that's right. There you, there you go. There you go. Well, Steve, I want to thank you again for being on the extraordinary being movement. Uh, your insight, your knowledge has been amazing. We had a great conversation this evening. So I'm just going to wrap up tonight's show. This is your host and coach, Len DeCarma. We do extraordinary being movement. Check us out on YouTube at ebmtvlive.com or on radio at ebmradiolive.com. Be here every Monday night on Facebook to watch us live with a new guest. And, you know, sometimes we'll even do a second show on Tuesday because we're wild and crazy, just like that Fred Martinez guy. So this is Linda Carmine. Thank you so much for being here this evening. Chris and Fred, any final last words or comments? Everybody, everybody, be safe. And also remember, it's both life and dark, and that's just the way it is. Fred? I just want to tell everybody to live your life where, like, there's no tomorrow, meaning that you work on your mind more than anything else while you're at home. You can educate yourself, and you can gain that knowledge where you can make a difference in the world. Well, thank you, guys. Steve, thanks again for being here. Thank you very much. Everybody have a great evening. Stay safe. And course, be healthy. Have a good night.